welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Rachel Peach, I am so excited to be interviewing you for She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Oh, thank you so much, Jules, for having me. It's an absolute delight to be chatting to you today. I <laughs> know, uh, I know. Same for me, as if we weren't talking every week with the mentoring anyway, but I'm loving the yes. idea of really hearing your story. So oh, why don't we start off by telling everybody what it is that you do? Well, I'm a vocal coach and I have been predominantly a singing teacher for about 30 years and about 15 years ago, I got some training in what's called voice function training um, because I felt like I wanted to help my students a lot better. Um, And voice function training involves just getting into the, the inner workings of how the voice functions and my ears listen for what's working and what's not working and then I prescribe training to help a voice function better so it can come out easier and uh, I've had a lot of success with that so I also pivoted that to speakers as well and that's been very successful as well so the teacher in me is uh, loving it. (laughs) Good okay so the next question has to be why? Why have you decided to get into both singing, teaching, and then into more about the voice? That's a really good question. I never intended to be a singing teacher. (laughs) That's always the best answer. (laughs) (laughs) When life just happens to us and suddenly you become an expert at something. Exactly, exactly. And it was, look, it was, it was the best um, circumstance really, because it just led me down, down a track that I am, have been happy to be on. But I was predominantly a piano teacher and I had been teaching piano since I was in year 12. My mother used to drive me to my students' houses. They were just friends of ours. And my piano teacher at the time, who was really old school, she was really horrified. She's like, you can't (laughs) be teaching people piano. You're not qualified to do that. (laughs) Yeah. So I I did it anyway because, you know, I teach beginners. But anyway. Of course you can. Um, and then by the time I, I think not long after that, I started to get singing lessons myself because I enjoyed singing and, uh, I was brought up in a Pentecostal church and very involved oh, wow. in like the big church choir with the, with the robes and yeah, yeah. all of that. And I really enjoyed singing. So I thought I'd go and get some lessons and skip forward a few years. The singing teacher that I had, um, and then I was just halfway through uni at this stage. The singing teacher that I had, she got a part on a local show and had to um, go and commit to that. And she just shoved some students at me and said, "Here you go. I think you could you could figure out how to how to teach. Do you mind looking after these <laughs> students for me?" And I'm like, uh, "Well, uh, I am predominantly a teacher, so I'll see how this goes. I'll give it a go." I'll give it a go. And I did. I really enjoyed it. But the the one thing I didn't enjoy was feeling, and I guess, you know, we call it the imposter syndrome, don't we? When we just we feel do. like we're not doing the job we feel <laughs> that we, we should be doing. Because we haven't got qualified. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Get the life experience. It's that piece of paper that we fret over. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And I was in the middle of a teaching degree. My, um, my focus was piano. I was training to be a classroom music teacher and halfway through that degree I did switch my major to voice so I became quite intrigued because I thought the teacher in me really wanted to help people it it didn't satisfy me enough that I just gave singing teaching a crack I thought I really want to figure this out ah curious and it took me down a track of yeah, I went and got lessons from all kinds of teachers, whether they were classical or whether they were contemporary. And um, yeah, come a ways down the track and I discovered that you could actually get uh, voice function training and I was all in. I was well and truly ready wow, for it. That's really interesting. So all yeah. the biological, you know, your larynx and how it, how your voice yes. muscles work and all the rest of it. Yes. Um, something yes. that most people probably don't know about me is I did a lot of singing lessons all the way through school. <gasps> and I used, to, I used to be on the stage doing Gilbert and Sullivan operettas and musicals oh and things goodness. all 
the way through high school as both I a soprano that. and an alto because I had a huge yeah. range in those days. Oh, my goodness. And uh, and considered it for a short while and then decided not to. But I love it wow. that you've done it. So oh, there you wow. go. I've just realised that could be my quirky fact that people don't yes. know about me. Oh, yes. But anyway, it's not about what? me. It's all about you. So... <laughs> Um, let's, uh, I'm really interested in hearing about your life. So let's start off with you as a little girl. What, where did you grow up? Do you have brothers and sisters and what did your mum and dad do? I was born in Albury and okay. lived in Wodonga. Um, my father oh, I was... never would have picked that about you actually. So oh, really? country girl. Yeah, yeah, until well, I was you, Because you're so glamorous. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I moved to Melbourne and saw all the glamour, didn't I? I don't know. I've always been interested in clothes, always, always. Right. And, okay, um, but as a, so grew up in, in um, for anyone who was outside of Australia that might be listening, this is on the border of New South Wales and Victoria, about four yeah. hours from any main yeah. town really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but quite a big kind of town as well or twin town either side of yeah, a river twin cities yes yes okay so, so you grew up there what did mum and dad do um dad was a local cop at uh <laughs> Wodonga police station I and, love this yeah and uh my mother was a stay-at-home mum right and uh yes I I think I got my love for singing through my my dad because he was a performer and he used to ah. do um, a lot of singing I guess in, in Melbourne when he was, was here in Melbourne when he'd done his police training, he'd gone on. Right. Um, there was a show that Bert Newton did years ago called New Faces. Yes. And he, he went on New Faces. He went on New Faces and won that night apparently. Stop it. <laughs> wow. And there's there's this photo that I've seen of him. I don't know where that photo is now, but he's wearing the frilliest white shirt. We always used to tease him about it. <laughs> like a 70s dinner suit kind yes. of a shirt, one yes. of those roughly ones. Yes. Okay, yes. so so uh, what was school like for you? So let's start with primary school. Did you enjoy it? Um, yes and no. I think I, I I think school was rather tumultuous for me because I was What happened? Um I think I was I was I'm an, I think I'm an ambivert. I think I'm one of those people that can be, you know, around people, but then I need to be on my own. So I, I think socially I was a little bit awkward. And okay. um, so I, I always felt unsure of myself. But when I did feel sure of myself was um, when I was in music and, and I got piano lessons when I was 10. And that right. I just completely so what's 10? So sort of grade six ish. Grade five, I think I was. Grade five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and then taking through that to high school, did yeah. you enjoy high school or was it just more? I mean, because the girls can be quite bitchy in both primary school and oh, high yes. school, so oh, I'm yes. just <laughs> interested to know how you survived that. Um, again, very similar. Again, a little bit more awkward, and and again, found my solace in music. Um, it wasn't a school that I enjoyed. I didn't enjoy the school that I went to. I found it very right. strict. Um, Did it have a good music and sort of theatre kind of program? No, no, it didn't. No, it was it was a relatively young school. It was a private school. And I looked for opportunities to be involved in music. I created a lot of opportunities. Um, I was always involved in school musicals. I was doing lead roles. I was taking chapels and um, it was a religious okay. school. And, yep. uh, yeah, so that was that was, that tended to be my identity when I was going through school. Um, but academically I didn't enjoy uh, – I, I couldn't write an essay to save my life. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. I would have thought you would be a good writer. No, but I've not in those days anyway. Not in those days, no. <laughs> and did you have favourite teachers or because sometimes if you have a great mm. teacher that can be a bit of a salvation yeah. at school? I think not so much um, like favourite teachers. I remember I had my first piano teacher was my favourite teacher ever. Right. Because she instilled in me a love of piano and it was a couple, it was actually during COVID that I actually looked her up on Facebook and found her. her. Yes. Oh, wow. And I just said, I, I don't know if you remember me, but I just wanted to tell you how much you influenced me. And, you know, she'd moved oh, away a year I'm after gorgeous. I was, you know, a student of hers and I was devastated. But she made the biggest impact on me just from the way she was and how um, caring she was. I think as a piano teacher I wanted to be just like her. 
And well, I um, bet you are because you are very caring and you're very lovely. And um, and I'm guessing that she also gave you maybe the idea of being a teacher. If if you could have a great teacher like that, then you'd want to be a teacher like her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Fantastic. So So did you? So you went through to year twelve. Yes, yes, I went through year twelve. And then was there the automatic assumption you'd go to uni or what was the next step? The next step, I I just thought the next step has to be uni because right. I wanted to be a teacher. So um, I went to Melbourne Uni. I got into the education program there. So how was that moving from a country town down to Melbourne um, on, on your own in, at 18 or whatever? Well, we were in Melbourne when I was 12. Um, oh, we moved okay. when I was 12. And, right. Uh, that makes sense. Yes, and uh, Dad wanted to study for his sergeant's exam. There were no, no opportunities in Wodonga, so we moved to Melbourne, which I, I loved moving to Melbourne. I I thought it was a big, wide world. So, yeah. yeah. And it is. And and, you, and we, we forgot to mention, are there any brothers or sisters or are you an only yes, child? Yes, I have an older brother and a younger sister. Oh, and right, okay. all very different from each other, very different. They tended to be the sportier ones, whereas I was the, oh, I think I'm allergic to yeah, sport, but anyway. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> if we'd been at school together, we would have hung out, I'm sure. I think so. I think so. <laughs> okay, so um, what did you get into? What what did you? Where do you study piano? Is that at the conservatorium? No, it was through. There was a program at the at Melbourne Uni at the time. It was it was a program set up by one of the lecturers there um, as a specialist education program, and I studied under Trevor Barnard for a couple of years. And um, is he a name? Sorry, when you say Trevor Barnard, is that a name that we would know if we were? A- um, some people out there might know. I mean, I've, I've actually come across quite a few people who have studied at Melbourne Uni and, you know, who did you study piano under? And, and you'd say and, and they'd be like, oh, yes, Trevor Barnard. He was an incredible piano player, incredible right. just to watch. Right. And, um, I was, yeah, I learned a lot from him. Um, but I got pretty bored with learning piano. I'd, I'd played piano for a very long time. I was sick of class, classical music and uh, I switched my major to voice and joined the big right. bands. And so were you interested though in maybe doing blues piano or some of that kind of thing? Because I know when mm. I did piano and voice, mm. it was all classical. It was never, yeah. you know, how to be like Aretha Franklin. It was always going to be, yeah. how are you going to be like Dame Joan Sutherland? Yeah. Yes. That's actually it's an funny, interesting. isn't it? Yes. Because either you take one stream and you stay on that and then, you know, how do I do something else? I did take some jazz piano lessons at uni from one of the other students. Um, right. But what really influenced my contemporary playing was playing in the worship team at church. Right. And well, talk to us a little bit about church then, because that was obviously a bit of a big part of your life. Yeah, it, it it influenced me in a huge way in regard to contemporary music. Um, okay. So I think um, which is not what I would think that church would teach you. No, actually, no, <laughs> I would have thought it'd be hymns. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we weren't part of a traditional church. It was more of a Pentecostal. Um, think Hillsong style, that sort of. Oh, okay. Yeah, so a lot of contemporary music and I owe a lot to the music director who taught me how to play contemporary piano and, a, and another um, very good friend of mine who is now also a fellow singing teacher, um, yeah. he taught me a lot about contemporary piano. And so oh. I was essentially gigging, playing piano sometimes twice twice a week um, you know, for different services, and uh, I got an it was enormous it paid? amount. Sorry, was it ever paid? Nope, it was all nope. voluntary. Right, all voluntary. That's just the way it goes. And so, yeah. how during uni did you keep the wolf from the door? Were you living with mum and dad, or did yep. you go and get a job? Um, and if you I, did, was it a, was it around music? I'm guessing that you know, yeah. I'm thinking uni, and you can play piano, and you can sing. Yeah. Were you out doing gigs, as well, you know? I saw church as my gigs and I was very, I think I was very much in a bubble. I was very sheltered when I was at school and when I was at church, a very religious environment. Um, And I actually got married halfway through uni. And I was 20. Rachel. Yeah. 20. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I'm still, I'm still with my husband. We're still married to this day. Yeah. Wow, that's a love story and a half. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were children. We, when we tell people our story, we often say, "Well, tell me the story. I want to hear it." Okay. Well, 
Oh, where do I start? Okay, so Andrew, my husband, he was my best friend's uncle and because he is the youngest of nine children and my best friend's oh. mum was his oldest sister. So that's how wow. I met him. And he also played. So how did no? What how did you meet him? Was he driving you somewhere, or I mean, what? How did how did he manifest as an uncle in your in your friend's life? Yes. Well, he came to live with my best friend's family because he got into uni. He's two years older than me. His okay. family came from Colac, and he had to come to he he got into RMIT in the right. city, and he needed somewhere to live. So he stayed. He lived with my best friend's family, who's his sister. And I met him through that way. Right. And uh, I thought, I, I still remember the first time I saw him and just the impact that it had on me. Oh, tell me. Oh, I'm getting it, goosebumps um, even you I, starting I, to talk about it. It was actually the back of him. He was walking yeah. up the stairs and I could see the back of him and I could see, it's like the nape of his neck. I know it sounds really strange. And just the way <laughs> his hair sat there. And I'm yeah. like, oh, oh. That's just sending oh, little flutters. Be still <laughs> my beating heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I instantly liked him instantly. Right. So um, but oh, I had to beautiful. concentrate on my schooling and get that done before we started to, you know, go out. But he was he was really shy and um, what does he do? Of, Is he, he another musician? Uh, he he does play. He's a bass guitarist, but he is his job now is a he's a senior software developer, um, but at right. uni he There's studied um, electronic engineering. <laughs> Sorry, there's a left turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking you were going to go. Oh, and he's on the stage, or he's a music something or other. But no, um, okay. No. So he went into software. Um, yep. And do you yep. play at home, the two of you? Sometimes Piano we do. Bass. Yeah, sometimes oh, we do. That. And uh, the, there's been many singing concerts that I've run run as a teacher. And uh, he's also played bass guitar um, for some of that as well and being oh, my sound guy. fantastic. And, okay, yeah. so you're pretty unusual if you're married at 20 yep. and you're at yep. uni. Yep. Did you two set up house in the city and, and what was that like? We set up house in Croydon um, yep. because that's, that's where our, our life was, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he got a job in the city working at Telstra because he was graduated by then. So we both trekked into the city for a uni and job. And it's all a bit of a blur, really, because I can't imagine getting up so early every day now. <laughs> <laughs> the way that we sort out our lives so that we don't have to. Okay, yeah. so um, what? So you finish uni. Yeah. And you're married. Yeah. What do you decide you're going to do next? I thought, well, I've got this degree. I need to go and find a job uh, teaching music in the classroom. It's the degree that I got. And so I got a job and I immediately hated it. Right. Immediately hated it. What, what sort of age group were you supposed to be teaching? I could teach um, music up to year 12, but my first job was teaching, uh, primary school and year eight and year 10 at a, at a private school that went all the way through to year 12. Right. And I, why did you hate it? I think I was really ill prepared. I, I, I felt eaten alive. I didn't have the skills. To oh, really? Because the kids were pushing yeah. you around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was. Well, too I mean, soft. I mean, I still remember. If there's any vulnerability really in a teacher, oh, you yeah. just go for it, don't you? Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's a whole gang of you who who are quite happy to. We had um, a French teacher called Madame Fuchik, F U C I K, which is an unfortunate spelling. Oh dear. Yeah. And we, she was. She'd come in and she'd go, girls, you are so cruel. I'm going to go outside and you let me know when you're ready to um, play attention and do class. And we just let her stay outside the whole lesson. And she wouldn't come back in and we wouldn't go and get her. So, yes, I can imagine how that was. So so what do you do when you've studied this degree and you hate it? How long did you last? I lasted three years. Oh, that's not bad. You gave it a good crack. Yeah, I decided to give it a good crack. Um. I had a break between the second and third year, but the third year I got roped into a teaching job at a school that my sister-in-law was teaching at. They desperately needed a music teacher. And uh, so I, it was a six-month thing that started to, that turned into a 12-month thing and by then I'd had it. And Because um, I, I only remember, re- remember learning the recorder at school. Were you just having oh, to yeah. teach that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I had to teach recorder and, and xylophones and percussion instruments. And, yeah, right. Um, I'd gotten training that when I was at uni that uh, involved a lot of singing and learning all the solfage and, yeah, that was that's what kept me afloat. But I just didn't enjoy... 
the fact that I only had about half an hour or 45 minutes with, with these students, a whole room of them, I felt exhausted because I felt like it was just go, go, go. How much are they really retaining? Yeah. Um, there's yeah. only a handful of kids that really want to be there. The rest you kind of have to keep engaged to, you know, in order for them to really feel like they're having fun. And I didn't feel like I was, from a personal perspective, one of my values as a, as a music teacher is that I want to know that I've imparted something. And, yeah, and because of my personality, <laughs> I'm much yeah. better one-on-one. So right. I just it didn't feel like I was giving something valuable um, okay. in a way that I wanted to. So I'm going to be nosing, and you said there was a gap between second and third, the second yes. and third years. What, what did you do in that little gap? Did you go travelling? I I fell back to just being at home, teaching a few students on the side. I got more involved in my church at the time. And, yeah, I, I just sort of thought, you know what, this is it for me for now. I, I think I'm just going to do this. But there's this little voice inside me thinking, really, is that everything? So when your sister-in-law said we desperately need one, it seemed logical yeah. to I'll give it another go. I'll give it another go. Um, and you hated end, it. Yeah, and by the end of that year, um, I remember, you know, the final assembly and the the principal handing me the flowers on, on stage at the end of the, the assembly and she's she's actually asking me, so can we have you back next year? And I'm like, no. Don't ask no, me that on a stage. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, what, what, what did you decide to do next? Did you just go straight into, well, I'm going to teach one-on-one? Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. that was a catalyst for me. And in fact, there was a very pivotal moment that happened during that particular year Ooh, that actually me. decided it for me. Um, no, actually, it was a little bit further down the track. Anyway, it's the same school, but um, tell us the story. <laughs> it uh, I got called back to teach some relief teaching for uh, drama and computer of all things at this particular school because <laughs> I'd already taught there. They they desperately needed someone. I'm like, fine. This was about. Four years Thought after I could ask I've been Andrew there. on the computer stuff. <laughs> well, I was terrible on the computer stuff, and I relied on the kids to tell me. So I would just look at the <laughs> curriculum; you know, it was already there for me. And I'd say, "Okay, so who knows about PowerPoint? Stick up your hand." <laughs> <laughs> you and get I want you to come up the front and do a presentation absolutely. about it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Everyone, everyone, Smart. get around. Let's have a look at how. Johnny's going to show us how to do this. So it was, um, right. again, did not enjoy it. And I remember I just taught a drama class in the drama room and it was really noisy and, and uh, I, again, I, look, I did one year of drama at uni but that's it. I, I had no idea how to teach drama and it was just a noisy classroom. I felt like an absolute failure. And then the, the, the head of drama for the middle years this is at the end of the day. She came into the room and she just started um, getting her, getting the classroom ready for her class for the next day. And she looked so happy and she's just, you know, almost humming around humming the room. under her breath as she's moving around. It was just such, it was just poles apart. Here I was haggard and tired and she's refreshed at the end of the day, so excited for her next class. And she's been doing this gig for a long time. Right. And um, I just said to her, I don't know how you do this. What is What is your secret? And she said, this job energises me. Right. And I went, And he thought uh-huh. it's doing the opposite thing to me. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I went home and I thought, what really energises me? And it was the one-on-one teaching. And uh, so I made an appointment to see the, the, the principal the next day and I said, um, I'm, I'm not coming back next term and um, I'm not renewing my teacher registration. She was horrified. And I, I'm like, I've decided this is not for me. So that was a huge pivotal moment and I've never looked back. Right. So mm. you're young and you're going to start mm. off in business on your own. How mm-hmm. was it? How was it in the early days? How did you find the clients? So there is a whole story behind that. You ready? Oh, good. Well, we've got time. <laughs> Tell it to us. So in the meantime, Hubby and I moved to Canada because oh. – uh, he wow. um he got a job overseas as a uh, as a um 
what does he do? He's software, software developer. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, people ask, what does your husband do? And I say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with computers. <laughs> Something to do with computers. Yes. So um, so he was hired to do that. And we thought, you know what? There's nothing holding us down. Um, let's just let's just go and have the adventure. And I was about 30 by this stage. And so we okay. moved to Canada with the intention of staying for a couple of years. Um, but unfortunately, um, Andrew, my husband, suffered from uh, professional burnout. It was a very, very intense period for him. Oh, and wow. That's so, not often I hear about men going through what I know yeah. so many women have gone through. So he got really sick, yep. as in just couldn't face it. Yep, yep. Right. And it, was, uh, it wasn't an ideal job and wasn't in an ideal environment and it just tipped him over the edge. So we actually came home much earlier than we anticipated and, and you know, he needed some time off and I, yeah, yeah we travel? just need to regroup. Uh, was travel ever on your radar as part of the time off or was it just to stay home and just be able to, you know, hole up and recover that way? Yeah, he needed to recover. He needed to be in familiar surroundings and yeah. um, and just find himself again. So that meant that uh, I had to step up and I had to, you know, be the breadwinner. Yeah, right. So it no was no backup a, anymore. No, no. It was it was a real wake up call for me, and I could talk about it, you know, seventeen, eighteen years later. But it was it was very confronting time for me because I. I oh, didn't bet. know what my full potential was and I was really scared. And so I thought, well, the, the, the thing I know how to do is to teach and I'm fortunate that I live on a, on a main road and Andrew designed a an A-frame sign for me. We put it out on the, on the road and the business started coming in. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. And because I could teach both singing and piano, I, you know, I was able to get clients quicker that way. And that sign served me really well for about four years. I got a waiting list um, very, very quickly and I was teaching over the space of about, I can't remember how many, maybe, maybe over those four years I was able to teach about 50 to 60 people a week. Wow. Oh, my God, yeah. Rachel. Yeah. So absolutely full-time. And were yeah. they all, um, I, I'm imagining an A-frame out the front would attract mm-hmm. all the mums saying, oh, yep. there's the piano teacher we've been looking yes. for and yes. the singing teacher. But were you doing lots of adults as well? Or mainly yes, I did everyone, kids? everyone. And because, you know, when you're in that position where you do need the income, um, you you just do it. You just do yep. it. And, yes. and I've met some amazing people because of that. And um, do you think people that maybe you wouldn't, if you had hadn't had that pressure of bringing being the breadwinner at the time, oh, that yes. you might have said no, I won't. And have you got any great stories of someone that you thought, oh my god, I really don't want to look after them and uh, teach them, and they've ended yeah. up being brilliant? Uh, oh, uh, from that perspective, probably not, because I'm oh. usually a good, <laughs> a good judge of character. Um, right. Probably the thing that's that's been the most surprising in a way is just how how many of our current friendships have come from my business. Yeah, just right. Just from connecting with people and because as a teacher, it, you know, working one-on-one with people, I'm in, I'm in my natural habitat and it, it's just very natural for me to connect with people and we've formed some really, really great friendships that, you know, become part of our inner circle today. So without Amazing. that A-frame, sometimes we say if we didn't have the A-frame, we wouldn't have that person in our life and we wouldn't have that person in our life. And Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a really great journey. That's amazing. And do you sing at church still? Are you part of choirs and things now? No, no. We actually, um, both of us left our faith um, quite some time ago. Oh, can um, I ask? Can I ask a little bit about yeah, what, sure. that, what what was that decision? What informed that decision? Because um, it's not unusual. I think in our yeah. generation, certainly. I mean, I went to Sunday school. I went to church. Yeah. I had an awful boarding school where I had to do an hour of church every day and two oh. hours on Sunday for oh, somebody no. that you know. Anyway, that put me off religion. Yeah. But I'm interested to to hear yours. Yeah, yeah. Well, both my husband and I were brought up in Christian environments and, um, you know, that in itself isn't a bad thing. We were taught good values no. and, yeah. you know, taught how to, um, you know, 
be kind to people and all that sort of stuff. But not kill people, all those sorts people, of yes, positive things. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but I think, and and I, I wonder if a lot of people would relate to this. But I think it's when you actually hit hard times, and when you when you do go through a crisis of faith, when the wheels start falling off, or when your cheese starts falling off your cracker. And for me, I just I didn't feel that God was there. I didn't feel <clears throat> everything that I had tried to believe in just became sand through my fingers. I I couldn't connect and I felt wow. very abandoned and very alone. I was going to say that must have given been a real crisis for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because part of that crisis was when I had to develop my own business, um, all of these feelings of self-worth, or the lack of self-worth and imposter syndrome came to the surface big time. Right. And it was incredibly confusing and it drove me into therapy. And That's interesting that the church didn't support you through that because for mm-hmm. some people I know it's in crises that they turn to religion. Yes, yes. So it's interesting that it had kind of the opposite effect for you. Yes, it did, it did. And I, I look at my church upbringing and, and feel um, that I was very indoctrinated and and it was a very authoritarian system. The, the, Which, of course, the it's meant to be. You yeah. know, that that's why it has been set up. That's why it's got all the rules so that it keeps people on the, you know, yeah. on the path, I guess. Exactly. But when you start to question it and you sort of take a step back, you can get a very, very different perspective. Oh, yeah. And in that questioning is where I started to find myself. And right. deep down inside, I knew I'd always felt that it wasn't for me. Um, so I want to be a good person, but this is not the, the way that, this is not where I see yes. myself. And, and and leaving religion doesn't make you a bad person, I guess. So, but, no. And Andrew went through the same feelings at the yeah. same time. Yeah, yeah. I think I went through it a bit, little bit earlier than he did and um, right. and he had different reasons for, for leaving. But at the same time, it's the, well, for me it was the suffering and it was the this doesn't make sense. And I actually have, I, I don't see the evidence. I don't, I, I can't feel it. And, in fact, I, I started, as I opened myself up to, um, I mentioned before that I lived very much in a bubble and my, my environment was around other Christians. Um, yep. So it's a little bit almost like cult-like, I guess. Well, because well, my next thing was going to be how was those, those first couple of Sundays where you're not going to church, Did you must have felt glorious. I, it was great, <laughs> but there's this little Just, part of you that thinks, am I going to yes. get punished somehow? Is this great bolt of lightning going to strike me? It was, it was actually takes an act of time. faith. Yeah, that was I my think act it of takes... faith leaving the church. Right. And, um, was Andrew yeah. very concerned about it if he was after you? Was he worried about you going to, you know, hellfire and brimstone as a result of yeah. leaving the church? Well, we, we actually did it together. I waited for him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I waited for him. You just came him. to the realisation a bit earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And okay. So that's quite a dramatic change. Quite. And yeah. and what sort of age were you when that happened? In your thirties. I was in my early thirties. Yeah, and I'm now in my late forties. Right. Yes. So, uh, so what happens next? So you're you explain to me a little bit about what you've been doing over the last sort of you know fifteen years or so since yeah. you left the church, still doing this. Yeah. Um, Tell me some of your adventures. <laughs> it has been the best ride of my life. It, despite everything that I have been confronted with, the the beginning of questioning and asking and being curious um, was so good for me because I started to develop my own opinions. Yeah, I great. started the first non-Christian book I read was Harry Potter and loved it. <laughs> wow, loved it. Yes, well, it uh, couldn't be more unchristian, really, could it? <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. And it just opened up a whole world for me. And, and you went, I, I just saw the this. world as a really, yeah, the world is yeah. a really interesting place, and so are people. People are really yeah. interesting. And this curiosity, I just kept following. And yes, I was in therapy, and yes, you know, I was going through a really hard time, questioning myself, um, thinking I'm not good enough, and I had to really work past that. But I think because Andrew was taking a break and we needed we needed to survive financially. It kept me yeah. going. And I'm so glad it did. I'm so glad and it did. And then you made the friends through 
yep. all of all of that as well. Because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, so not only have you left the church, but you've left your whole community, I guess. Yep. I mean, were you ostracized or was it, it was, wouldn't have been that bad, I'm assuming? There was a level of ostracizing. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a case of, you know, I've got family left there and they don't, they're not allowed to talk to me. It's not no. like that. It's more that people that you used to know, um, you might see them down the street and they'll, they'll just give you the cold shoulder. Um, oh, they wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, no, that's very hard. Yeah. So, so you've but you've stayed in that area all along, or did you move out of the area just to give yourselves a fresh start? Or no, we stayed here out of necessity. Um, we did everything we could to hang on to our house because, um, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, financially, it just wasn't. We weren't able to um, move on, but um, it was. I guess it was a very hard time emotionally and financially, but it was also the making of me. And it was yeah. also the making of my husband because he, you know, he worked through, you know, whatever he needed to work through and, you know, he's a lot stronger now for it. We're a lot stronger as a couple. Um, yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet it, as a couple I think it either makes or breaks you. But, mm. but having grown mm. up with parents where it was just us, my parents and, and us kids moving to different places, there, yeah. there is something about the two of you against adversity. Do you know what yes, I mean? That kind of absolutely. really brings you together, I think, and yeah. makes that bond incredibly strong because you've just relied oh, yeah. on each other. And yeah, wow. Okay, so you've yeah. grown this business, um, and you've so you've basically been running your own business for twenty odd years now. Yeah, yeah, for a long time, and it's gone through various, you know, um, modes or. Um, I bet. Yes. And <laughs> it's, it's very rarely a nice straight line where you go, I just get mm. more and more customers and they pay more and more money and no, no. life is easy. <laughs> no, it hasn't been easy. But Can you tell different. us of, of one of the pivotal moments? I guess when I talk about a pivotal moment, which became mm. very annoying during the lockdowns, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean those times when something dram- happens that makes you dramatically change your business yeah. Um, all your lives on the back of it that in hindsight is for the better? Um, I think it was during that time that I got voice function training. That was incredibly right. pivotal for yep. me. Yep. Yeah, when we'd come so back. So instead from, of being blessed by God for a voice, you went to actually go and find out what the medical background of it all oh, was. Oh, yes, yes. And my voice has been particularly difficult to train. And Why? Just the makeup of it and also the habits that I brought to the table. Um, having been brought up in a submissive environment, you don't learn to speak with, right, with authority. Right, and project your voice. And, right. Yep. yep, you don't voice your opinions. You don't, you're not allowed to sound confident. You're not allowed to sound like you're taking attention away from, from God. It's, it's, Whoa, Rachel. It, yes, that, that's what um, so, contributed to a lot of my voice issues. And you know, and I, there was a little something that you mentioned yep. um, when we were setting up for this interview that also I would have thought had some impact on it. Talk a yep. little bit about that as well. What was that? I can't remember. You have hearing aids. Oh, yes, yes. And you're a voice teacher. <laughs> yes. And then you're telling me that you're deaf, well, partly yes. deaf, which yes. is to yes. me the best part of the story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, incredible. So ha- what? what was that from birth? No, no, it was oh, so a... so tell us that story. Um, I think when I was teaching in the classroom, I discovered I wasn't hearing as well and I went and got my ears checked, cut a long story short. I was 25% deaf at that stage and it was due to a condition called otosclerosis, right. um, which is a condition where it doesn't affect your inner ear but it affects your middle ear. And so you know those three little bones that sit behind your eardrum? Yeah, I think one of those is quite stiff and is not conducting sound properly. So, and you hadn't realised it, but you've been doing piano for all these years yep. and singing, and not realising that you couldn't hear properly. Yep, yep. Until I thought, hmm, uh, I'm suddenly not hearing properly. And anyway, when I did get told that, they also said, because I was in my late twenties by this stage. Uh, they said, you know, hearing aids can improve your life. And I'm like, you've got to be joking. Are you serious? <laughs> I went home and cried. I'm like. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, it's it's particularly in your field. I think yeah. that's where it, it it's that juxtaposition that's really 
um, yes. noticeable. So what did you do? I left it for a little while because I was still functioning. I was still functioning yeah. fine, but it wasn't until it started to deteriorate more and and I was starting to really not hear properly. So I went and got them checked again that my hearing loss had dropped to 50%. Right, in both ears or one ear? Both, yeah, and both were (laughs) fairly equal. So I thought, well, I I have to get the hearing aids now and I thought, how is this going to affect what I do? Um, It's clearly already affecting what I do and I, I was fortunate that I was put in touch with a really great audiologist and he said, all you need is a pair of hearing aids the rest is fine because it, it's all about boosting certain frequencies and right. then you'll hear like a normal person, not like some other conditions that I don't know how to describe. Um, I think, for example. But where where it's where they don't sound, it doesn't sound doesn't happen, it doesn't sound normal. Yeah, exactly, whereas my sound people. sounds normal and my audiologist is in charge of making sure those frequencies are boosted and then I'm good to go. I can hear all detail. And, Which is incredible um, because you analyse yeah. people's voices. Yes, yes. And you can yeah. identify what might be wrong or, or what they could yeah. be doing to improve it. I just yeah. think I, I just think that in itself is absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I honestly don't feel like I am a deaf person because of these hearing aids. And you know, I pay a lot of money for them. They're high end hearing aids. It, so how well you hear, it depends on the quality of the technology. And right. so that's what I rely on. And um, But it's not a cochlear implants kind of deafness. No. You just need these ear, ear um, what are they hearing called? Aids. Hearing aids. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you're, and you're back to normal. That's amazing. Yeah. That, I yeah. mean, it was really, it, for anyone who's listening, only as we were setting up the microphones. Yeah. And I was saying, oh, there's a funny buzz. And you said, oh, it might be my hearing aids. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that that's particularly extraordinary. Okay. But anyway, I've interrupted you because you were talking about um, because this is a show for women in business yep. and we want yep. to encourage women to get into yeah. business but also not give that false illusion that it's all, you know, roses and butterflies yeah. and rainbows the whole time. Yeah. Um, have you had um, any key moments that you could share with us of where you've had to do a bit of a pivot? I think the- I think it's been a progressive thing um, and I think it's been something that I've had to learn just from pure traveling the hard road and making this mistake, making that mistake, um, and just realizing that if you want to do something, you have to be prepared to walk those miles. Um, yeah, true. And you, you don't do something because it's going to make you money. And I think that, you know, everyone knows that, but I, I truly, truly, truly love what I do. And, and there have been facets of my business that I've had to change. In, like I don't teach children anymore. I never Why? enjoyed teaching children. You just never did, yeah. No, because I couldn't have that more adult one-to-one connection, and I found that, um, I found that out. <laughs> but you know, I mean, in some ways, that's great because it's it's the difference with adults if they come to you is they really want to, whereas if with yeah. kids, a lot of the time it's because mum thinks it or the the music teacher at school has said you should or yeah. grandma used to play piano or yeah. sing. So, you know, yeah. they're not always there for the right reasons. I felt yeah. the same way about uni. I ended up going back a second time to finish my degree and I was oh. a very different student. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, just much more interested. I did yeah. the reading. I didn't see it as like being at school and trying to duck out yeah. of yeah. class in the same way. Oh, yeah. So I think that's different. But what about the pandemic? How did that affect you? Um, not too badly because I could oh. just pivot to online. And okay. um, so I was able to keep the wheels going. I did have a couple of other staff working for me at that stage, um, but I couldn't find any extra work um, because people weren't looking to, to do singing lessons or piano lessons online. That's interesting because I actually yeah. felt like the pandemic for a lot of people was about trying new things and yeah. what can I do from home that's different, but obviously singing and piano wasn't one of them. No, no. And look, singing, well, teaching singing online was a lot easier than teaching piano because piano is all about the camera angles and, um, you know, usually right. with piano you're showing someone like you're right along there with them whereas, you know, uh, you could just point to a bar in the music whereas you have to say, yeah. okay, can you go to bar three and then the and then the third note in, um, can you go right. from there again? And then you have that, sorry, what would you say? And it's like, oh, this is taking forever. <laughs> right, right. So much more of voice. 
um, mm. which of course is your sweet spot anyway, really, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I no longer teach piano. I, I, I've done it for a very, very long time. I've just got a handful of students that I've kept um, who have been long-term students, but I won't be replacing yep. them. Um, I've just really enjoyed learning about the voice and being more skilled at it. And I think that's something that I have been really very happy to do because part of, you know, starting this journey was initially about um, doing something that I felt I enjoyed and, you know, survival, but also not being afraid to follow your curiosity and just to go, I want to know more about that. And it's taken me years and lots of training and I've just loved absolutely every part of it. Um, made mistakes. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, it's that whole thing of I do it for free anyway kind of thing, you know, like yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can relate to that. I can definitely yeah. relate to that. Okay, so you've talked about Andrew's burnout. Yeah. Uh, I've interviewed about 250 women now and a mm. lot of them have burnt out because yep. they love their job so much that they've yeah. worked or that they're, you know, chasing a, a, a goal of some kind. Yep. How do you juggle work and life to give yourself time to relax and to give yeah. yourself the ability not to burn out. I don't know that that's a correct sentence, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I have figured out that balance all that well yet because I am a workaholic. I do I do tend to overdo it. And um, last year I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which does not help. And Just um, to explain that, that's a, 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 a sh- sharp pains through your body. At, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. so it's based Not on. Nice. I read a really good book from a by a GP in America who has who also has fibro and just studied it extensively and wrote a book. I love her description of it. It's like, and I can't remember if, if it's our parasympathetic nervous system or our sympathetic nervous system, but whichever one of those, one of those is fight or flight system, and the other one is rest and digest. My fight, flight, or fight system is constantly switched on and I can't switch it off. That's right. what, that's essentially what the fibro is. And, um, you, yeah, you, you, it presents itself in different ways. So my rheumatologist calls it, um, central sensitization. It's a hypersensitivity syndrome. So you're hypersensitive to, um, pain, um, fatigue and, um, yeah, so you have oh, to. Oh, I didn't realize. So it's quite a broad spectrum. Yes. Of things that can affect yes. you. And you have pain all through your body. You have, and, and it's felt equally on both sides of the body and above and below the waistline. Um, and it feels, it, if I was to describe it, yes, sharp pains do come into it, but it feels like you just have a case of the flu most of the time. So, oh, you, the, you know, the body aches you get from the flu. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Well, that's um, not great. And you're always mm. so smiley and, and happy and everything. It's amazing. So so to go back, so you've got fibromyalgia. Yep. How are you managing your time to give yourself time to rest? Well, I make sure I, I, I try not to start the day too early because my work hours take me, you know, into evening time. So right. I try not to start the day too early. And if I do, I make sure I have good breaks throughout the day, so pacing myself. And during those 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 times, I just make sure that I switch off. I'll, I'll go and do something. Like I love pottering in my kitchen and just, you know, switching off and not thinking about anything. Um, I can so relate to that. That's the work-life balance that I, that I need to do. And, and the times where I have actually gotten really like if I, if I overdo it, if I'm thinking so much, I'm in front of the computer, I'm doing work, if I'm thinking too much, then, then I start to feel it. So, right. Yeah. So and I then what about weekends? I mean, is it sort of um, what do you and Andrew do for downtime? So yeah. do you make weekends sort of, no, I'm not going to do work on weekends or is that a busy time for you because of the yeah. nature of what you do? Well, we, we do have a very busy social life. So there's usually something that we're doing on a Saturday. Sundays are sacred. We do not do a thing. We stay at home. We're in our PJs. Do not come knocking. We tell Fantastic. that to our friends. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. And I've got one last question for okay. you. Is there a quirky fact about you uh, that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing outside of hearing aids, which is pretty a pretty good yes, one? Yes, it is a quirky fact. I. I would say it would be food related. Oh, it would tell be us. food related. Yes, I I love to eat cake for breakfast. Sorry, 
I love to eat <laughs> eat cake for breakfast or, or wow, junk food. So, yes, really. Yes, yes, and why? I also, Where's that for, come from? Were you banned from having junk food growing up? Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, I was a bit like that. Like I've, I went crazy on fizzy drinks because we were never allowed oh, them. Exactly. And, you know, it's for health reasons or whatever. I was also, I go through phases because, you know, Thursday Thursday nights is my, I've finished teaching for the week, so I'm going to reward myself. For a while, I had twisties for dinner. That was my Thursday night dinner <laughs> with a glass of wine. My students knew that. They'll say, which, if which anyone twisties are you going to have? I was going to say, if anyone could see your beautiful skin and how well you look, that's <laughs> extraordinary. And you have cake for breakfast. Well, no, I I do not have cake for breakfast, but I love to have cake for, bre- for breakfast. If there's any leftover cake, it's breakfast the next day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, I love it. I don't mind a curry for breakfast, I have to say. Oh, um, I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's something about it that I just really yeah, like at what, breakfast time. The if there's leftover. Um, I think it's just to have something spicy. Oh, okay. So I like didn't spice. eat breakfast for ages. Now I've 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 realised that you've got to kickstart your metabolism. So I have oh. um oatmeal, but I would have mm. curry easily yeah. for breakfast anytime. Yeah. Wow. Um. Wow, Rachel, you are so amazing. What a great story. Um. Can mm-hmm. I ask if anybody does want to you to teach them? Yep. Um. What's the best way for them to be able to get hold of you? Have you got a website? <laughs> Yes, you can go to nowyourtalking.com.au. Such a good name. <laughs> yes, now you're talking. Um, yeah. Or you can you can email me, uh, rachel at rachelpeach.com.au. Okay. Uh, so you've got the website, rachelpeach.com.au. You've got nowyourtalking.com.au. And are you on mm-hmm. socials? Yes, LinkedIn. Um, you can just look you're me up a- on, on LinkedIn. I'm there. And we just have to tell that story that you told me the first time I met you and I wasn't sure how to say your name. Oh, and yes. And you said, go on, tell the story of your sister who's a teacher teaching yes. the kids. I tell everyone that now. Yes, no one's well, ever going to no forget your surname. No one will forget now. No one will forget. My so how do you spell your name? Um. <laughs> Peach, think of pie with tomato sauce and chips. <laughs> and it's that so came from good. one of my students, not one of my students, my sister-in-law was teaching grade two at the time and one of her students came up with that way to remember how to spell Miss Peach's name. That is just gold, yes. absolute gold. Thank you so much for this great interview. I can't wait to share it and oh, uh, and keep doing all the great things you're doing. Thank you so much for your time, Jules. It's been fabulous chatting to you today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. Oh, my pleasure. I can't wait for other people to hear it now. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 